This radio show is prepared by Brent and Scott Polis, who are registered portfolio managers with Hollis Wealth, a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. This radio show is not an official program of Hollis Wealth. The views, including any recommendations expressed during this show, are those of Brent and Scott Polis alone and are not endorsed or approved by Hollis Wealth or Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a registered trademark of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc., a member of Canadian Investor Protection Fund, CIPF, and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. And now, the Investment Strategy Show, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. Welcome to the Investment Strategy Show for July 29th. I'm your host, Scott Bullis. So, let's start off, as we usually do, by taking a look at the big news for the week. Uh... First big piece of news on Wednesday, President Donald Trump said he struck a preliminary deal with the European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker to ease trade tensions and avoid a full-blown trade war with the European Union. The markets responded very well to this. He said the two leaders were working towards a goal of zero tariffs, zero barriers, and zero subsidies on non-auto industrial goods. This, of course, was only 24 hours after he declared Tariffs are the greatest. Considering that the negotiating agenda Mr. Trump and Mr. Juncker sketched resembles the transatlantic trade and investment partnership that President Barack Obama tried to launch with Europe, you can almost say that all Mr. Trump has to show for his trade war with the European quote-unquote foe is to return to his predecessor's policy plus the addition of some soybeans. But nevertheless, the market uh, went very well for it. And it's seen as a positive note uh, to restrict the trade war. On the economic front, uh, the U.S. domestic gross product rose at an annual rate of 4.1% for the second quarter. And that's up from 2.2% for the first three months of the year. Recent data does suggest that the pace of growth has picked up this year. Some economists think that full year growth in gross domestic product could hit 3% for 2018, for the first time in nearly a decade-long recovery, a prospect that becomes increasingly likely following Friday's strong economic numbers. The second quarter was the first time since 2014 that economic growth topped 4% in a quarter. The economy reached that level or higher just four times during the eight years of the Obama administration, so it's a significant number, and we're very pleased to see it. The bottom line is the economy is doing better, is what Diane Swank, chief economist at the accounting firm, uh, Grant Thornton, summarized it as. So, good news on both the trade front and the economic front for the week. So, you would think it's a great week for investors, but it did have its difficulties. And the first one came on Thursday after the market closed, and it's official, Facebook Inc. just had the biggest stock market wipeout in American history. Shares tumbled 19% on Thursday to close at U.S. dollars, uh, 176.26 after sales, and user growth disappointed investors. The drop translates to a U.S. $119.4 billion decline in market capitalization, the largest ever gross loss of value in one day for a U.S traded company. It's really quite amazing. The quarter was also marked uh, by Europe's implementation for Facebook of strict new data laws. 
uh, which Facebook said left, led to fewer daily visitors in that region. The company's user base flatlined in its biggest market, the U.S. and Canada, at 185 million daily users, while declining 1% in Europe to 279 million daily users. Overall, average daily users increased 11% from the period a year earlier. So, you would think flat, small decrease in Europe, but overall 11% isn't that bad. But what it really it came down to um, was, as one quote says, deceleration such as management guided towards suggests that while the co- company is still growing at a fast clip, the days of 30% plus growth are numbered. So, really there are three things that led to that sharp of a decline. The first is that with the restrictions that they believe they are seeing now and will see in the future and the type of data collect, they can collect on individual users, they will have slightly less data to sell. That's one. Second thing is there are, they used to sell putting uh, articles into your data feed, which is what led to the whole scandals for the Russian involvement in the previous election. They now say they are no longer going to do this, which means they have a one whole source of revenue that they no longer have. And when you add on to that um, stagnant user growth uh, in two of their large markets, that meant the market punished them pretty heavily. It is, by the way, interesting also to look at what the largest market cap losers have been over the last while. If you look at the top 10 single day losses by a company, it's interesting to note that six of them are technology stocks and two of the top 10 drops in a single day are banks. Uh, two of the large drops came in the dot-com bust in 2000, which was Intel and Microsoft. Uh, the number four came with from Apple in 2013. Uh, and then Alphabet in earlier this year, February of 2018, lost $41 billion in one day. But Really, technology has been the thing that has led the market for the last year, so it's not surprising that some of these can take a hit um, and give back some of the gains that they've gained during the year. And that's exactly what happened for uh, Intel and Twitter. Uh, As well, on Friday, Intel dropped more than 8.5% after announcing delays in its next-generation chips, and Twitter, which reported earnings that matched expectations, dropped more than 20% after it said its numbers of monthly active users fell. On the positive side, though, for this week in technology is Amazon. After market close on Thursday, Wall Street was stunned over Amazon's impressive June quarter earnings results. The e-commerce juggernaut said Thursday it generated second quarter earnings per share of $5.07, crushing the $2.50 Thomson Reuters consensus. Operating profit came in at 5.6% versus 3.2%, which FactSet analysts estimate, had estimated for the quarter. Guidance for third quarter op, uh, operating income was also meaningly above consensus forecasts, so the future looks very good. J.P. Morgan analyst uh, Don Anmuth increased his price target for Amazon to $2,200 a share up from his $1,900 that he had before. It closed on Friday at uh, $1,817.27. So he sees a significant upside. What's amazing is after they doubled their earnings, 
and double, sorry, double their, the consensus expectations for their earnings, you would think the stock would have gone up tremendously. On Friday, it actually opened, but it dwindled most of the day and ended up Friday at paltry 0.5 of a percent up, so only half a percent. So if you look at that, why did it happen? Well, Michael um, Arone, which is Chief Investment Strategist at State Street Global Advisors, basically puts it this way. He says, when growth companies, particularly high-tech companies, are priced to perfection, the price for imperfection is quite high. Meanwhile, the reward for beating on earnings is much lower than usual. And that's actually what we've been finding in the last little while. Um, if you take a look at the last five-year average for S&P 500 earning per share surprises versus average price changes. So for the last five years, if you beat expectations on the street of what you're going to earn, you go up 1%. For Q2 of 2018, so recently, you're only up 0.9. So on a surprised um, earnings improvement, you're doing about normal. But if you're in line with estimates for Q2 of 2018, you're dropping 1.7%, where normally you only drop 0.8. And it gets even worse if you're negative. If you're negative, for the last quarter, you've been dropping on average 3.8%, versus the long-term only 2.5. So it seems that the market believes tech companies are rather highly valued as it is, and therefore, if you do well, well, we're gonna only benefit you um, and improve your estimates a tiny bit. But if you do badly, it's quite punishing. So how does this all add up for the week? Um, Basically, the Dow ended up 1.66% at 25.447. The S&P 500 was up 0.67% at 28.18, which brings, by the way, it year-to-date up 5.4%, so not bad. NASDAQ ended the week down on the Facebook news, Intel, and Twitter news at minus 0.79%, but it's still year-to-date up 12.08%. And the TSX was down 0.55%, which brings it down to 1.14% for the year. In the global markets, the Shanghai index was up 1.19%, which erases a little bit of its losses for the year. So it is down 13.11% for the year now. The European stock 600 had a good week based upon the trade negotiations with Trump. So that was up 1.86%, which took it from a loss to the year actually to up 0.75% for the year. The Canadian dollar um, was up to 76.5 cents US, which brings it up 0.41% for the dollar uh, for versus the US dollar. In the second and third segments, what we're going to talk about is, is this the time for passive investing, or is this the time for active investing? And really, how well is buy and hold worked for you in the recently? But how well is buy and hold going to work for you in the long term? So we'll be back after these messages. You're listening to the Investment Strategy Show with Brent and Scott Bullis, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. We'll get right back to it after this. The Lowdown with Low Tide 
Steve Lansky from Big Mouth Sports. I'd love to see what makes a good general manager. Who are the best and why are they the best? It can't just be identifying talent. They don't even do that anymore. Is it just hiring the right scout? What are those qualities that some guys have that 95% of the guys don't have? Monday, we take another look at the MLB trade deadline. The Lowdown with Low Tide. Weekdays from 10 till noon. Brought to you by Western GMC Buick on Edmonton Sports Leader. TSN 1260. Presenting the tippy-top of the Glassmaster's man pile, Miles. There are lots of things you want to spend your money on, right, Sid? Concerts, makeup, my car, university, traveling with my friends. i got a million ideas. Guessing a new windshield is not on that list? No way, Dad. You take care of that stuff. Well, at least I can help make it affordable for everyone. Just go to glassmastersautoglass.com today for a fast, affordable quote and an appointment, all in less than 45 seconds. Trust the real Glassman. Go to glassmastersautoglass.com. Glassmasters, show us your crack. The all-new Enhanced iHeartRadio is here. And it's now the most accessible, easy-to-use streaming service available everywhere. Over 1,000 radio stations and 100 commercial-free music streams. From rock to pop, classical to country, news talk and sports, there's always something fun to stream. Including over 10,000 of the hottest podcasts like the Joe Rogan Experience and Serial. Plus, you can score tickets to the hottest concerts and access to exclusive iHeartRadio secret sessions. Find iHeartRadio, a free download, also available on Sonos, Apple CarPlay, and more. Tile and Stone Source is the place to start your tile renovation. You wanted a different tile store, and we are. With free design advice, expertise, fresh ideas, and more than just tile. Tile and Stone Source is where ideas are born, designs are drawn, and homes made. Our spacious showroom, tile costs, and approach to service is changing the model of how you buy tile. Start your tile renovation with us today. Visit us online at tilestonesource.com or on the corner of 153rd Street and 111th Ave. Welcome back to the Investment Strategy Show, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. Here's your financial coaches, Brent and Scott Bullis. Welcome back to the Investment Strategy Show for July 29th. I'm your host, Scott Bullis. So in this segment, what we're going to look at is buy and hold versus active investing, passive versus active. And this is really one of the regular topics that we discuss around the office and that our clients want to bring up to us. Should you or your advisor try to improve your returns or you reduce your volatility with tools such as security selection, market timing, etc.? Now, passive investing, especially index ETFs, has been a great growth industry for the last while. And they have quite frankly, done very well in the last number of years. But that's not really surprising because what we've had is nine years of continued steady growth. In fact, 2017 was one of the least volatile years on record. The market just frankly kept on going up. And if you were in a good passive market, uh, passive index for the U.S. market, you were going to do very, very well. But what we're finding and what we believe at the investment strategies team is that their passive versus active investing is like anything else. It's situational. They're, and we believe there's a case to say that it is not one is not better than the other. It's a matter of timing. There is time to let passive investments work, and there is a time to be active. And we believe that the situation now is one of those times when you absolutely need active investment management, people that are willing to look at it and preserve your capital to ensure that you don't get hit. So 
why do we think that now is different? Well, it really comes down to a basic couple of measures of market valuation. Right now, the P.E. ratio of the S&P 500 is 24.49. The median over the long term is 14.7. So what that means is if you take a look at the earnings from a company versus what the value of that company is, right now companies are valued at 24.47 times their earning for this year. The median is 14.7. So if the price of stocks were to drop back to the median, it would be a 39% drop in the S&P 500. And if you take the historical mean, which is 15.7, then the drop would still be 35.8%. And the PE ratio of the NASDAQ 100, which of course is quite tech heavy, is even higher at 26.79. Now, some people think that the PE ratio as it sits is kind of a blunt tool. And there is a more sophisticated tool out there which is the Schiller PE ratio. So let's take a look at it as an indicator. It was invented by Yale professor of economics, Robert Schiller. Uh, in 2003, Schiller shared the Nobel uh, Memorial Prize in Economic Sciences with Eugene Fama and Lars Hansen for laying the foundation of the current understanding of asset prices. Schiller's work, including the CAPE ratio, the CAPE ratio, or the um, cyclically adjusted PE ratio, was specifically noted to have identified a variety of variables that forecast future stock returns. So what is this Schiller or CAPE or CAPE ratio or PE10 as different people call it? Well, what it is, is the price earnings ratio is based on average inflation adjusted earnings from the previous 10 years. So what it does is kind of smooths out the base of data on which you are comparing to, takes out high inflation periods and says, what are the real returns? So it is currently at 32.61. That is the second highest number it's been at since 1880. There are, the other two times that it's been over 30 are 1930 and 2000, which as you'll know, are the two times before two of the biggest drops in history. One was the Great Depression and the other one, of course, is the tech boom of 2000. So the only time that it's been at the level it's at were just before two of the worst market crashes in history. So what is Robert Schiller itself himself says? Well, the last um, quote that I could see from him specifically on this is a little bit old. It's from February 2017. And at that time, the Schiller PE or the CAPE was at 28.66. So significantly lower than it is now. And what he said is long-term investors ought to use the recent market rally to cut back on their equity holdings. And this is, of course, Yale professor of economics, Robert Schiller. The CAPE ratio, which Ezra, he continues, the CAPE ratio, which aims to measure earnings over the course of an entire business cycle, is high enough to worry about. At this level, it suggests that the expected returns from stocks might be negative, but still only slightly so. The current level of the CAPE ratio would suggest reducing your holdings of stocks, especially for a long-term investor, he says. We can't time the market accurately, but we know when it's high. When it's this high over the long term, it usually doesn't do great. So that's what he says. So we took a look at a chart of the starting Stiller PE ratio versus the forward returns 
for the next 10 years for the S&P 500. And the particular chart um, was started, is monthly data starting in December 1974 and going all the way up to June 2018. So it's very current. And what it finds is there's a really good correlation between what the market will earn in the next 10 years and what the Schiller PE is at the start of that period. So if your um, Stiller PE ratio is below 10, well, the next 10 years, your range of returns is between 12 and 20%, which is great. But if your Stiller PE is above 25, for all the months that that's happened since 1974, the return has been between zero and minus 4% for the next 10 years. So think about that. Every time it's been over 25, the returns since 1974, the returns for the next 10 years have been zero to minus four, and currently it's over 32. So that's what we're worried about. So we'll be back uh, shortly with our third segment where we'll talk about what you can do about this situation and what we at the Investment Strategies team are doing. You're listening to the Investment Strategy Show with Brent and Scott Bullis, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. We'll get right back to it after this. Get sidelined by TSN 1260 all year long. Catch the TSN 1260 Sideliner, hitting Edmonton's best community and sporting events. We're handing out cool swag in a white 2018 GMC terrain from Northgate Chevrolet Buick GMC. Everywhere you go, keep your eyes peeled for the TSN 1260 Sideliner. Powered by Fatburger, the Ranch Golf and Country Club, and Northgate Chevrolet Buick GMC. From Edmonton's sports leader, TSN 1260. It's hot this summer, and Pull here is wearing long pants. But loose fit. With empty pockets. Yeah, I need some cash. Call Cash for Junk Cars at 800-260-JUNK and get cash for that junk car in your driveway. And they'll put cash in my pants? Cold, hard cash in your hot pants. But it won't run, and I can't fix Doesn't it. Doesn't matter. Call 800-260-5865, and they'll arrange a tow and put cash in your pants. What if I'm wearing shorts? I hope you are. If you need cash and have a junk car, call Cash for Junk Cars at 800-260-JUNK. 800-260-JUNK. And put some cash in your pants from Pickin' Hi, I'm Sean Brown for Neitz's Pizza in Sherwood Park. Neitz's is all about family fun, so I asked my kids to make me a pizza. I would put lots of sauce and onions and pineapple. Lots of cheese, because he really likes cheese. He's a meaty type guy, so I'd put on some chicken and some ham. Bacon, pepperoni, and a little bit of ranch. Wow, I'm feeling kind of hungry now. Neitz's Pizza, Y Road, Sherwood Park. Order now at neitz'spizza.ca. Water. We all need it. But with Arctic Chiller, it's not just water. It's a marketing strategy. This is Tom Highgard, president of Arctic Chiller. We've turned water into a personalized promotional product designed to expand your business and your brand. Choose from a variety of unique bottle types, sizes, and colors, including 100% biodegradable and recycled plastic options. Then work with our team of in-house graphic designers who will design, print, and deliver the perfect custom-labeled bottle for your business or event. Get a free custom quote today at arcticchiller.com. Welcome back to the Investment Strategy Show, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. Here's your financial coaches, Brent and Scott Bullis. Welcome back to the Investment Strategy Show. There's a wonderful article um, in the Advisor Analyst 
by Michael Leibowitz that we were really focusing on this week. Um, and it looks at the risk of investing in high Schiller PE environments by looking at two previous times where it has been this high. And I quote, we selected the two time periods for comparison, not because they represent the largest equity drawdowns in modern financial market history, but because they had valuations most similar to today. Some will claim that this approach is fear mongering, but the fact is that evaluations always revert to their mean over time. Assuming this time-tested, most basic law of finance is as true today as it has always been throughout human history. 1929 and 1999 provide a comparable risk-return framework and important guidance for investors in 2018. So let's look at the second of those two time periods that the article talks about, which were 1929 and 1999. Following a recession in late 1990, and the first half of 1991, the U.S. economy entered a 10-year stretch of continuous economic growth, the longest in modern history. During this period, the S&P 500 produced a total return of over 380%, or about 20% annually. While the economy was humming along at a healthy pace, and the growth of stocks was, the growth of stocks was not totally a function of economics and earnings growth. In fact, the bulk of the rise was due to a significant expansion in valuations. For example, had the cyclically adjusted price to earnings CAPE ratio remained at its 1990 level of 17.05, which is similar to the long-term average of the S&P 500, it would have only risen about 75%, not 380. So what the article goes on to question is, if you had said when the Schiller PE got to 32.6, which is what it did just before the Great Depression, and said, that's high enough, I'm going to get out of the market. That date would have been August 1997. Now, you would have been three full early years early in calling the end of the economic boom, because as we said earlier, it went on to 1999. And you would have missed 60% of the gains for that remaining 1997 to mid-2000, which actually sounds bad. But say you had just bought 10-year treasuries at that time. When the recession came, it would have been from when you got out of the market a full nine years before the stock market caught up to you. So nine years of just sitting in bonds, not taking the volatility before the equity market caught up to you as well. So what it's saying is when it's pretty easy signal when the market gets that overvalued, when your PE ratio is that high, to pull out and say, I can get back in at a lower price. And so all they did in the articles were just bought bonds. And even that, you had all the gains for nine years covered just by holding bonds for that period, and you missed all of the volatility. If you had done the same thing before the Great Depression, it would have taken 23 years for equities to catch up from you just taking bonds. And that's the situation we're in now. We're in a place where the Schiller PE is at its second highest point of all time. And this is when you can look at the market and say, I might be early. Like the 1997 example in the article, I might even be a couple of years early, but I know when the recession hits, it's gonna take many years to catch up to this level. And that's at the investment strategies team, what we are, have done for our clients. We have pulled back their equities so that they aren't taking all of that risk, which historically is 
the second highest since 1880. How much clearer of a signal do you need in the market? So if your investor, your advisor is saying, you know, just stick in the market, you can't time it. Just remember, this is the second highest in history. How much better of a signal do you need to pull back from the market and to preserve your capital? And if you sit there and you go, well, I can go into bonds. The problem we've got is there's a 91% correlation between the 10-year yield in a bond and what you're going to earn for the next 10 years on the bonds. So at the moment, with the 10-year treasury in the United States being 2.96%, you're facing one of two scenarios if you just stick in the market. Bonds, which will get you 2.9% minus inflation, minus fees, and minus taxes, which will be a negative, or based upon historical returns of the Schiller PE when you've got a ratio of over 25, which you now have over 30, a negative zero, a zero to negative four return. Those are the two options that you're choosing upon when you're choosing bonds or you're choosing equities. So with the investment strategies team, we know our clients aren't going to be happy with either one of those. So we're changing the rules. We're saying, no, don't be passive, pull out of equities, wait for a better buying opportunity when the Schiller PE has come down to closer to its long-term average and start investing back then. Well, that's all the time we have for the investment strategy show today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you're concerned about how your advisor is looking at your portfolio at the moment, please feel free to give us a call at 780-944-2700 or look at our website at www.investmentstrategies.ca. This radio show is prepared by Brent and Scott Bullis, who are registered portfolio managers with Hollis Wealth, a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. This radio show is not an official program of Hollis Wealth. The views, including any recommendations expressed during this show, are those of Brent and Scott Bullis alone and are not endorsed or approved by Hollis Wealth or Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a registered trademark of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc., a member of Canadian Investor Protection Fund, CIPF, and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Brent and Scott Bullis have been your host of the Investment Strategy Show. Join them again next Sunday morning at 8. The Investment Strategy Show is a paid commercial broadcast and does not necessarily reflect the views of TSN 1260 or Bell Media.